1: Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Today, you are in for a treat. I sit down with ministry director, trauma counselor, and author of the new book, My Yes is on the Table, Jennifer Hand. One of my favorite things about Jen is her ability to take hilarious personal experiences and apply spiritual lessons to them. Let's just say she has this gift of speaking modern day parables. We talk about walking in faith despite fear, her prayer of surrender, and the portion of her book I shared with my counselor in response to a question she had asked me. This conversation will have you laughing one minute and deeply reflecting the next. If you enjoy it, please share it with a friend. And take a moment to leave a five star rating and review of the show in your favorite listening app. Thanks, friends. And I'm so grateful you are here for today's conversation. Jen Hand, welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast.
2: Amber, I'm so excited and I feel like I know you, even though I've never met you. So it's super fun to see your face on this Zoom, even though our listeners can't
1: see it. I can. That's right. Oh my gosh. I was just telling you before we started recording that I feel like your book, my yes is on the table. It is the best kind of laughter and just pointing us towards the Lord. It's the best combination. Mm -hmm. So everyone should read it because if you enjoy laughing, need to laugh yet you follow Christ and you really want just to know more of what he has for your life. This book is for you. Oh,
2: thank you. That's so encouraging because I do think we all need to laugh and not take ourselves too seriously either. <laughs> and that is part of the fun is when you say yes to God, you're in for a wild adventure. And you know what? It's, it's just great to remember that he's in control
1: and just to be along for the ride. For real. I need the reminder all the time. Cause sometimes I'm like, Lord, this is not funny. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, This it's does so not good. feel very it's funny. Too, yeah, this is not funny, Lord. What are you doing? <laughs> it's so true. Okay. Well, as we get started, share a little bit of your faith journey with our listeners. Like take us back. How did you come to know Christ?
2: I think this is just the most fun question because I believe that our yes that we say to Jesus mm-hmm is the absolute most important yes we'll ever say in our entire lives. So if you're listening and you haven't said that, yes, today can be the day, friend. Today That's can right. be the day. And uh, let your wild
1: adventure begin. Right? Yes,
2: let it begin. Let it begin. And I was actually eight years old, so I was really young and I remember listening to Salty, the singing songbook, Amber. I don't know if you know who that was, but he was a big blue hymn book that sang. <laughs> oh, no, I, uh, you didn't, see, I
1: didn't grow up in Christian culture. So I, I can't wait to hear the stories my kids tell about, you know, watching Boz and all Veggie Tales. Are they going to be like... Yeah, it was so cheesy, and my mom made us watch it. I mean, Amber, you should for real
2: when you get done with this YouTube Salty the Singing Songbook. It's the best, and okay. um, I grew up listening to that. And I remember Salty talking about heaven and I decided I wanted to go there. So (laughs) I ripped out a page of my rose-scented diary with the the lock and everything, you know, at eight years old, you have all the secrets, and um, wrote a note to my parents that I wanted to know how to know Jesus, and I left it on their bed, and my pastor's wife came and led my twin sister and I just in how you can know that Jesus came for you, that he died for you, rescued you from your sins, and um, I believed it, and I'm telling you, that faith, like a child, you know, Mm. I knew that I believed it and it, he became my best friend then and still is now like just so grateful that even at a young age, I came to know him. And I used to think that made my testimony boring. Uh, but you know what? I believe that anytime we accept the gift Jesus gives us from death to life, it is something to be celebrated with wild excitement.
1: Well, and I mean, that idea that like, Oh, it's boring. It's one of those things where it's like, well, just because you come to know Christ doesn't mean you don't engage or encounter really hard things. It's just that you already know what he's done for you. And so it's not like, oh, the story just ends once you accept Christ.
2: Right. I love that. And I love the reminder that each one of us has a story that he's weaving when we say yes to him and his glory in our stories. And so it is just the fact that he is with us. I mean, I just love that he is with us and he is with you. And as we say yes to him, we get to
1: experience him and it's just such a gift. It is a gift. Well, at some point in your life, you decided you were going to be a career missionary. And that is the story that probably could fill up this episode, but take our listeners back. Tell us a little bit about, you know, where you went, uh, how the Lord led you in that, and then really what ended up shifting you back into the States.
2: I actually was around the same time when I became a follower of Jesus, eight years old. Mm -hmm. I was learning about missionaries at church And the girls in action, which was like a mission club for kids. And I remember Amber making a salt map of Ghana, which I guess is like making Play-Doh homemade. (laughs) I don't know, but this is hilarious. I don't know what came over me, but I brought it home and I ate it. (laughs) You ate the salt map? Yes, I did. And I don't know. I just like salt, I guess, Amber. I don't know. And so I say that the Lord put the fire of missions in my belly, literally. Quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) so all that to say but really I knew at that time I began to hear that there were people around the world who did not know about Jesus and even at that young age I began to believe that my yes to God would be living overseas and serving Mm -hmm. him in a place um, that was uh, a place that didn't have access to know Jesus So I literally went to college and with the intention of I'm going to be a career missionary, I'm going to live and die in one country. They're going to name a missionary offering after me. This was my plan. (laughs) And um, so after college, I went to Nepal and I lived there. I, I spent a summer before going career there. And my job was to make maxi pads for the maternity ward at the hospital, which yes. is
1: hilarious. Maxi pad making for Jesus. <laughs> you know what though, girl, I love that you say that though. Cause at our church, we do this event and it's called a Luopad event. And literally everybody in our church will be cutting out like the material to make maxi pads for people because people overseas actually Really do need that. There
2: you go. You never so. know what you know, well, how you're going to be used in the kingdom of the Lord. And, right. uh, imagine the prayer letters I wrote home, you know, like what. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but that trip led me to fall in love with that mm. place. And um, I went and I thought I would live and die there. And I remember just thriving in my mm. yes to God. And sometimes when we say yes to God, we can think that that yes is the end, the final, like we've said yes to this one thing. It's big, especially when it feels very big Mm -hmm. and we can get very, I can get very comfortable in the safe and the same. And I remember thinking that my yes led me there. I'd said goodbye to everything and everyone I knew and loved. And so that I would plant myself there and be there. And yet I began to sense a stirring that my yes was not just for that place and that people, but God had more in store for me, and maybe you're listening right now, and you have been in that point where you've already said yes to the big thing or to this thing, and you've sensed you know, we know when we sense the Holy Spirit stirring in our hearts yeah. and that shifting. And we can try to ignore that still small voice or think it's just hunger pains and you just need some more rice, or I don't know, yeah, yeah, rice. That's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> I did eat <laughs> a lot of rice, I ate a lot of rice in the <laughs> fall, um, and we know when we sense that, and yet sometimes mm-hmm. want to be like, but I already said yes, Lord. And I just want to encourage you that surrender is what is part of our yes. And it is not a one and done. It is a daily. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Send me, use me, take me, do in me what you have planned for me.
1: How long were you there before you came back home? So I lived there two years, and
2: but it was about a year in when I knew that God was stirring my heart that my yes did not mean staying there. And that sometimes our yes comes with no
1: to what
2: we think. Often our yes comes with no to what we have planned for ourselves.
1: Yeah. So when you say my yes is on the table and you think back to when you were leaving this country that you thought like, I'm here, I'm here for good. The reality is, is that we even have to wrestle through some disappointment in ourselves or like, how am I going to appear to other people who, have supported me, who have believed this about me, like, am I letting people down? I mean, what was that experience like for you?
2: I think that was the hardest part, Amber, Mm -hmm. because I loved the title missionary. Mm -hmm. And when you can really, I found some real pride in my title, in my work for God and begin to feel that my worth was in my Mm -hmm. work. And maybe as a listener, you're thinking, oh, I do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it's as a mom or as a employee, whatever, a student, Mm. whatever it is, it's so easy to take our worth and our work. And God began to show me your worth is not in your work for me. Your worth is your worship of me. Mm. And it was a hard lesson, Amber, because I, if I was to fill in the blank, I want to say yes to God, but I'm afraid of blank. Mm -hmm. my big one at that time would have been what will people think of me? Mm -hmm. And they thought I was going to live and die. They're going to think I'm a failure. Oh, she didn't have what it took. It was too hard for her. And I, I just had to lay that down and just trust that I was listening to the voice of the one who had called me there. And then I was following him to the next space Mm. and place. And I didn't even know what that was. It felt like Genesis 12 where God called Abraham to go and didn't say where are him the roadmap. And, and Joshua six, When they're marching around the walls of Jericho, God gives them the promise before He gives them the plan. Because I think sometimes the plan feels a little crazy.
1: (laughs) And it's just not linear. (laughs) Right. I'm like, Lord, I, I really need the linear plan, not the like wandering around in the desert for the 40 years. Even if it was caused by me and my disobedience. Or because that's just what you have for me right now. (laughs) Yes, I would like to straight point A to point B, right? That's right.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on The Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard.
1: and I literally just shared it with my counselor last week because she had asked me a while back. I had said, I don't want to take this position because I'm afraid of failing. And she was like, what does that even like, What does failing even look like to you? And I could not tell her. Mm. So I read this part of the book and I'm going to quote it because literally I walked back into her and I said, this, this mm. is what fear of failure is for me. Um, you had asked people, you know, I'm afraid of blank. And you wrote, I'm afraid of success in ministry or relationships because it adds a weight of expectation. And sometimes I'm afraid that it will require more than I want to give. Oh, that is so me. Um, And then you said, I'm afraid of failure because failure says to me, I'm not enough. I cannot live up to the expectation. I should not have tried. So after realizing you were afraid of both success and quote, unquote, failure, what helped you move from that place of just feeling paralyzed to just saying, you know what, I'm all in, or do you still have to do that all the time?
2: All the time, Amber. I mean, (laughs) Uh, amen. (laughs) I know. I wish I could tell you what I'm done. It's a one and done. Um, But I think the big step was recognizing it. Mm -hmm. To be honest, that was the freeing part. And, and that's the first thing I would say to anyone who's saying their yes to God right now and putting their yes on the table is I would like to be like, oh, I'm super Christian, Jen. I have no fears, (laughs) you know, but but that's just not true. And I really don't think it's true of anyone. So I think the first key is recognizing your fear. And I remember when I was filling out my power sheets that I do every year with uh, Laura Casey, Cultivate Mm -hmm. What Matters. And it asked the question, what are you afraid of? And I just wrote the first things that came to my mind. I tried not to Mm -hmm. edit and not make it pretty. I did have a pretty pen and some stickers. You know, that helps. (laughs) Because that that. makes it all better. (laughs) It does. (laughs) And I think I was shocked that my answer was failure and success because I realized that will make you stay stuck. In between and not doing anything. So my first step was actually recognizing it and then running to the Lord with it and not mm-hmm. trying to pretend it or pretty it up, but just being like, Lord, I am terrified. And I, I mean, releasing this book, it really pushed me out of that point of, because mm-hmm. what if it fails? What if it succeeds? Both could make me want to shrink back and take back. And God said, no, this is how I want to move mm-hmm. in you and use you is, Say yes, and so I would encourage you to first recognize the fear, and then where are you running with that fear? Because I can try to eat enough brownies and ice cream to ignore that fear, um, you know. And, and I have—we are say.
1: true, true friends because that's exactly where I would go first too. Brownie, right. you know, you might
2: you might have left the therapist office and done that right. Um, and so it's easy to want to run to other things, to distractions, to scrolling, to trying to get approval from others, so that I feel successful, but when I run to those things, they will never satisfy. And so part of it is where am I running with that fear that I have recognized? And then asking God, show me my next step of faith and Mm -hmm. I'll do it afraid. I will do it even afraid because if we wait till
1: we're not afraid, we'll never do anything really. Well, and then when I think about failure, when I actually just slow down and think it's like failure, a lot of times really is so defined by like, the world and our own flesh. And, you know, I think about you, even when you, you felt like you were failing coming home, Mm. but it was what God was asking you to do. So even just that definition in our head of what failing is really has to be reoriented. Don't you think? Yes. And especially
2: in today's time, when you can see everybody else's quote unquote successes, And compare (laughs) yourself to everyone else's. And that's why I want to encourage you as well. Don't compare your yes to someone else's yes. I see this with moms a lot. I'm not a mom and I'm cheering on every mom, but who's like, oh, I failed if my kid, right now is May when we're recording, and and at like all the end of the school year events and the things. My sister has four kids to remember all the things. And what if she, said, oh, I failed because I forgot that permission form and the field trip and that, you know, and um, it's so easy to compare our yes to somebody else's and our view of what is success. And that's why we have to, have to, have to run to the mm-hmm. one who comes along the side. It is, he's the one calling us and he's the one that will use us. And I, I think of Joshua, imagine what he felt mm-hmm. like in the book of Joshua, he's about to lead the people into the promised land. He's taken over from Moses, Moses, like burning bush. Moses, like went up in a cloud, got the 10 commandments kind of Moses, you know, and, um, how afraid he must've felt. And I love that God said to him in Joshua one, nine, be strong and courageous. And then this is the key for, I am with you. Mm -hmm. And that's so personal that God is with us and we can ask him to show us what obedience is and obedience is really what promised land living looks like. Mm. And when I'm obedient, then I am a success Mm. again, using air quotes. That's right. um, Now
1: I have to preach myself to that
2: every day. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's good to have conversations like this. That's why it is good to read books like what you wrote. That's why it is great to engage in community where people understand, like, The difference between what success and failure really is in the kingdom of God, not in the kingdom of man, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is something else I've been known to say recently, which gosh sounds so negative when I say it, but, um, I have said at times to people when they've asked me how I feel about certain things, um, I feel like God has led me to the edge of the promised land and has allowed me to look out on it and then ask me to turn around and walk back through the desert. Mm -hmm. Um, now that seems so dramatic. I know which is part of why I say it. I guess, you know? <laughs> That's how you because, feel, right? Right. And, and when I say that to people, they are under the understanding in conversation that it's not necessarily really what God is doing. It's just the, the feeling that I have at the moment. And I share that because in the book, you talk about all of the scripture that you're sharing is really the story of Joshua mm-hmm. and him going into the promised land. But you talk about when you actually stood looking into the promised land and God really reoriented your thinking and I just want to hear about that because I can envision that and I've never been there and you have so tell me all about it
2: oh yeah it's such a special thing because I have been blessed to go three times to the actual promised land israel
1: so awesome and
2: God provided My dream. in miraculous ways and mm-hmm. just such a cool experience and one of them I was the first time I went, I actually turned 33. Um, on my birthday, I celebrated in the last place Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane in his 33rd year. So it was just so powerful. So I've oh been my in gosh. the promised land. I mean, just everything. I wanted to touch everything. I'm like, I'm sure Jesus touched this grass. I'm going to touch it. You know, <laughs> more, there's a lot more desert than grass, but anyways, <laughs> um, so I've been on that side, but in 2020, before everything went crazy in the world, in February. I had the blessing to go serve in the Middle East and it was on that trip. It was, I was very fearful to go because, well, things were very heated. Not that they're ever not, but it was very, very heated. Yeah. I mean, they were telling, they were getting all Americans out. It was a very heated time. And, but I living with my yes on the table meant saying yes to go serve victims of war. So I was going over there to offer hope on the holy ground of suffering I was going very afraid, Amber. I had people tell me, you won't make it back. You, you know, if you go, you'll die. And I just felt like the Lord said, do this, go. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, the first person I met was a woman who I had never met. And she was covered completely, except for her eyes was all you could see. And she said to me, I, ha- I knew you were coming. I had a dream that a blonde haired blue eyed woman was coming to tell me who Jesus was. Wow! Will you tell me who he is? Mm -hmm. And I was so blown away because fear almost stopped me from that yes. So on that trip, after that happened, that was so transforming to me. Like I don't want to miss anything God has for me because fear stops me now. That does not mean that faith means going unafraid. Faith meant I am afraid, Mm -hmm. but I'm doing this thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so on that trip, I got to go to Mount Nebo and stand where Moses. I mean at least around where Moses would have stood and looked out. And we find that in Deuteronomy, the last chapter, Moses is looking out from Mount Nebo into the promised land, knowing he cannot go in because of fear that led to disobedience. Yeah. And I'm so grateful. We have a God who's full of grace and who we can run to. And he can give us faith. Even, even I think of the father in scripture who says, I believe, help my unbelief. Yes.
1: Yes. But I'm standing there,
2: standing there, looking out into the promised land. And I felt this revival in my soul that changed me forever. I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I don't ever want to miss one bit of the promised land you have for me.
1: Mm.
2: I don't want to not be where you have planned for me because of fear that leads to disobedience.
1: Mm. And so, I mean, that's just like one of those markers in your life, right? Like I always talk about. I just have these rocks, right? You know, you're walking through the Jordan River. God asks the Israelites, go back and pick up a rock, set it up as a monument for me, so that you'll look back and remember my faithfulness. And that's one of those moments for you. I mean, have you reflected on that frequently when you're like, uh, I'm scared to death? Do you go back to the yes, time? Yes, I think
2: of what it looked like to stand on both sides because that Mm -hmm. same trip, I got to go to the Jordan and there was thousands of people there because they were celebrating Greek Orthodox holiday where everyone comes to the Jordan. And so it was, it felt as if it would have at the Jordan river where they're about to cross over and they, you know, are taking those steps of faith into the promised land. And so whenever I have a big moment, even this morning, Amber, I got a call living with my yes on the table is to, okay, Lord, I've already said, yes, I will go anytime, anywhere, any place that you have mm-hmm. called me. And this morning I got a call to go minister to, um, Poland and to the Ukrainians. And, um, oh, wow. but I had to have a big amount of money. By noon, um oh to pay gosh. For it because it was a someone dropping off a team, and I had to let them know by noon if I was going into in a week and a half. And you know what I remembered? I remembered standing on Mount Nemo and looking out, and I'm like, Lord, I've already said yes. If this is what you have for me, I'm all in. And within two hours, 2500 dollars had come in for this trip.
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> so, that's so great. Um, I love I, it.
2: I say all that to say that. My inclination was to say no, but I remember what God has done before, He's always still moving. In our todays Mm and our tomorrows, and it is so important. The third, I always say, the first is to recognize your fear. The second is where are you running with your fear? And the third thing to do is to remember what God has done in your past, because that same God is working in your present Mm -hmm. and has gone into your tomorrow. And so, I encourage you, just like the Israelites did, to pick up those stones of remembrance and be like, "Oh yeah, He did it then. He will do it again." And this is not always. In those big decisions, yes, so important, but also in your everyday little things where God shows up and shows off and shows out in just the fact that we're breathing. I mean, uh, Amber asked me what happened to my hand. I have on a wrist uh, brace because (laughs) I got injured. (laughs) Amber, it's so embarrassing. I got my hand stuck in my Nespresso coffee maker trying to retrieve a coffee pod because I take coffee seriously. And so I thought I was going to have to go to the ER to have it surgically removed. (laughs) It was that stuck
1: are you serious? So that's how
2: I pulled my tendon in my hand was pulling out my hand from the coffee maker. <laughs> so,
1: um, you know what?
2: I never knew how much we use our thumb and hand until this was injured. And so it's even in seeing God's goodness and little things like I have hands that work today, Lord, yeah. and yeah. I'm taking breath because you gave it to me today, Lord. And, um, so it's not always in the big, I'm going to go to a work war area, um, and serve. It's also in the, you know, keeping your children alive. Yes to God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, just the little gifts he gives us throughout our mundane Mondays as well.
1: That's right. I love that because it is true. I mean, we have both, it's a both and we Mm -hmm. have big moments and we have little things. Like one of my markers is just this one specific family. I didn't grow up where we all went to church all the time. I mean, I was in a culturally Christian, area home, but not really, but there was this one family that was just very consistent in our small little church. They had kids around the same age, you know, they didn't necessarily pour God's word into all me all the time, but it was a watching of them faithfully go to church, care for people. That's one of my markers because it was for me, the the best example that I saw most of my childhood. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I mean, and and so it is little things like that, you know, you just got to pay attention to, but I want to ask you this because one of the biggest things or mistakes I sometimes see with Christians talking about saying yes, is this idea that saying, putting your yes on the table is like saying yes to everything you're asked to do, Mm -hmm. which means, you know, you're asked to lead a Bible study. You're asked to volunteer at church. You're asked to you know, be the parent of your classroom. You're A million things and you feel like you have to say yes. And then you're overwhelmed and you're regretting every decision that you made. And you're thinking, why isn't God blessing this? Because I'm about to lose my mind. Mm -hmm. I know that's not what you're talking about. And so I guess I want you to just kind of flesh that out a little bit. So people understand that living with your yes on the table does not necessarily mean picking up every single opportunity that comes your way.
2: That is so important to um, know because otherwise we all will be overwhelmed, stressed out, and, and useless,
1: not, really. Yeah, you become useless.
2: In what God has for us. And I think oftentimes, yes to God comes with having to say no to a lot of things, just like my yes to God meant saying no to living in Nepal. Yes. Because I couldn't have lived in Nepal and do what God has for me, and that's why I think it's so important to be in His Word, in community, and in um, the more we know about the person of God, the more mm-hmm. we know about who we are as people of God and what mm-hmm. He has called us to. And I love how Psalms 139 says each one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. He's numbered our days, and so it is in the, when we say yes to God, we're not saying yes to all of man's expectations of us. Mm. We are seeking God. What is your expectation for me? Mm. What is your unique thing that you have called me to? Because when we're trying to walk in things that aren't, I mean, listen, I am raising my hand as a people pleaser, Amber. And I spent years sometimes saying yes to the things that were not his things for me and resenting it. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. Resenting or failing or doing it and not Filled with, because when God calls you to something, he equips you and he fills you. But when you're doing your own something, uh, that is a very different story. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage you to be in his word and seek him. It all goes back to communication. We can talk to the God of the universe, like the God who last night there was a lunar eclipse. I I didn't stay up, I really wanted to see it. But I think about the fact that the God who knows every star out in the sky Mm -hmm. also chooses. To speak to me and to you through prayer mm-hmm. and through his word and through that. Um, and we get to ask him, Lord, what is your yes for me? What do you have? Yeah. And I mean, I think about, um, I was reading about David and Goliath today and the people tried to, as David said, yes to God, they had a certain way. They thought that yes should look out. Like they had mm-hmm. armor for him and this is the plan. And he's like, no, God, I'm going to follow the yes for me is just a few stones and a slingshot And take that giant down you know and so it's just a reminder that people may have an idea of what your yes is but god is whose voice you're listening for and if you aren't familiar with his voice dive into his word because that's where you'll hear him speak
1: Mm -hmm. we're always being formed by something right and in our culture and in any culture but particularly now with the busyness we're often being formed more by other people's ideas and opinions than God's ideas and opinions. So it's just vital to be in his word, to mm-hmm. be in community in people who are also in his word, you know, and that doesn't say don't be in community with people who aren't Christians. That's not what I mean. But people who are helping you make decisions or who you're asking advice from mm-hmm. should be other people in God's word. <laughs>
2: And I love that we have the power of the promise of the Holy spirit Yes, who leads us. And right. that is such a gift for us because even the disciples, they got to walk with Jesus, but Jesus said, I have a greater gift for you. And that's the power of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. And that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. Mm-hmm. So He is highlighting his word for us and to us. And, um, I just love that because He makes the promises and then he keeps them.
1: That's right.
2: He is faithful to do that. You know, I'm not always the best. I'll keep a promise every Monday. I'm not going to, you know, eat the brownies and ice cream this weekend. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know, and so I love that we have a promise maker who, who keeps his promises. Yeah. And so if you're someone who's listening and you're, you're overwhelmed, that might be the spirit saying like, what are the things, you know, you got to ask him, what are the things I need to keep doing? And what are some of the things I need to go ahead and step back from so that my yes can stay on the table? <laughs> you yeah, know? And,
2: and as you, I would encourage you to, to write the word yes and put it somewhere, like as a, a prayer of surrender. There's something about that physical act. Yeah. I, I even had a tattooed on my ankle.
1: <laughs> I'm not I love have it. to do
2: that. Um, but um, there's something about that physical act. And as you do that, God, sees that surrender and that worship and that longing to hear from him. And he mm. will reveal to you what the next step is for that. Yes. Mm. He will take your fear stops and show you how to turn them into faith steps. And sometimes the fear that's stopping you is saying yes to everything. Cause you don't want to let anybody down yeah. and running to him and him showing you, this is the plans I have for you.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, well, I can't ask this last question until I ask you to share at least one of these really really funny stories <laughs> from the book. And I don't even know which one to choose, Jen. I mean, there's the riding on the is it the camel? No, the elephant. Elephant, yes. Riding on the elephant. There's like sitting and leading people to Christ <laughs> in I don't like just pick one cuz I don't want to <laughs> give it away for the reader, but y'all you just have to read the book. You know what? I'm gonna
2: pick a the um, a different one than you mentioned about me. I'm gonna do the segway riding through. Washington. Oh, okay. Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> because um, and, and before you share that one, I'll never forget. I'm reading that story, and I had been in Washington. This is my our ten year anniversary, and I was just riding a bike. And now I can ride a bike, but I remember this girl coming right at me on her bicycle. Unable to turn or anything, literally, and I'm like ringing my bell. Watch out! Watch out! And she almost hit me, and then she turns around and looks at her mom. It's like I told you, I cannot ride this bicycle in the city. I, I was it. thinking about you when.
2: So you when have I, experienced this, <laughs> yeah. So I went to Washington with some friends, and they paid for us to ride a Segway, and. You know, first of all, this seemed like a good idea, except for it's downtown Washington. And the place where we rented the Segway, you have to actually go like with traffic through lots of people. And then you're on this tour to see Washington, you know, all the monuments and they yeah. tell you all the things. So I go in, I sign the release, I watch the safety video and I wasn't really paying attention Amber. I'm just going to be real. <laughs> and I was more distracted by the very cute Segway tour guide. <laughs> and um the subway you know they give us all these instructions and then you do like a practice run inside the room to get a safety checkout which is like super easy because you can barely there's I mean you're barely moving it's a small room so of course I passed and then they give you a headset you're supposed to listen to all the things and I called it Nick who was the tour guide was whispering sweet nothings in my (laughs) ear along with the like 50 other people on our tour (laughs) <laughs> several people from Asian countries and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, my friends and I, so we start on this tour and, um, frankly, the segues have no brakes. You are the brakes.
1: I mean, you, I, I did not know this.
2: Yeah. So you lean back is how you stop or slow. And then you twist with your body to go whatever direction. So we're weaving oh through traffic, and I'm here, trying to listen to Nick whisper sweet nothings in my ear, <laughs> and we're going down this hill, and then he's saying uh, to all of us that we're about to approach to take a right-hand turn, and things were fine until I could not remember any of the instructions, how to slow, how to turn, how th- I really hadn't paid attention to them, and next thing you know, I am off the
1: segue completely, <laughs> oh, God. and the segue keeps going, because here's what you don't know. They keep going. <laughs> I mean, why do, why do we still use these things? They do not seem very safe. And so
2: he's jumped off his Segway and chasing down mine and I'm on the ground bleeding. And (laughs) and he comes and he asked me, he said, what part of the instructions do you not understand? And I was like, all of it, every bit of it. But I'm like in the middle of downtown, I can't, I have to get back on the Segway. And it was just this funniest moment when the Lord, he always speaks to me in the weirdest times. And, um, you know, that Nick who really wasn't whispering sweet, nothing's in my ear, but in my mind, he was, <laughs> um, you know, was whispering instructions in my ear and I was not able to listen to them. And I, it just made me think of the distractions that we have that keep us from listening to the Lord who is giving yeah. us instructions. And often it's our own fear. And for me, I couldn't listen to him because I was afraid of what was happening. And I couldn't just, listen to him say, lean back and turn. And and that's how you slow down is lean back. And also the Lord was like, what are you leaning the weight of yourself back on? Mm -hmm. Will you Slow down, listen for my voice, and lean back on me, and then go for the adventure of a lifetime. So, yeah,
1: that's what the Lord spoke to me <laughs> on a segment, through your crash, you know. And now I'm like, no wonder they do safety videos for people like me. <laughs> I know, but listen, I'm the same way with a video. I don't know that I'm really taking what I need to take away unless you're like manually showing me what to do. So. <laughs> yeah, you know. But well, let's close with this. Um, The show is called Grace Enough. And and obviously we all experience God's grace all the time. But there are times when his grace is almost palpable, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just, you know it, you sense it, and you really kind of feel like you just need to share it it with the world, really. Is there one of those wow moments or sometime in your life um, where you really can say like, God. You showered down your grace and I was just so undeserving.
2: It's so hard to pick one. I know. know. So many are coming. So I'm just going to go with the most recent in releasing this book felt like God's Mm. amazing grace because for 11 years I was rejected as an author and I've never wanted to give up because one of my biggest fears is rejection. So I've never wanted to give up on something so much. And the Lord just kept saying, don't shrink back, keep trying, keep saying yes. And he bumped me up against every fear. I had of failure and rejection and success and all of those things, because his grace is he wanted me to just be obedient and trust him with the results. Mm -hmm. And so getting to in 2020, when the world is shut down, getting an offering from my dream publisher and getting to write this book. And now the grace is getting to see people saying yes to God. Uh And it feels so humbling and overwhelming and so worth all those years of rejection. Mm -hmm. And so that feels like grace to me that God did not give up on me or allow me to give up on the dream he had planted in me, because sometimes we don't like waiting or I don't. And so what God told me and showed me is that in the waiting, he was always working mm. and he was waiting for his time and for his best story. And that feels like grace. So, when the week of my book released, I'm a, a seven on the Instagram. I love to party. I planned a party for every night. <laughs> I was getting ready
1: to say, There's no way you're not a seven.
2: <laughs> I'm a seven. And let me tell you, I planned a party for every night and I invited everyone I knew because I felt like not to celebrate what I had done, but what God had done mm. and what he showed me in his grace in that story. And one thing people said over and over is because they had seen over the years, my rejections and my failures and me not giving up on the dream. They got to feel like it was their dream also. And, and so that was God's grace. And I love that he is a God of the impossible and what did not seem possible He miraculously made possible. So if you're listening right now and you're in a situation that feels impossible, I want to encourage you to know that God is always working behind the scenes and it may not be in your timing or in the place or the plan that you expect, but he is always working out his purpose and he is weaving his glory into your story.
1: And that is grace. That is grace. Well, Jen, thank you so much. If people want to connect with you, I know they can get my yeses on the table anywhere you get books they want to connect with you, listen to your show, all the things, where should they go?
2: I love it. So I have a show called Coming Alive Conversations. Love to have you there. And then you can find me at comingaliveministries.com or um, on Instagram. I'm Coming Alive gin. Also, um, at Facebook, Jen at Coming Alive Ministries.
1: Awesome. I hope that was as good for your soul as it was for mine. Don't forget to share it with a friend And leave a five star rating and review wherever you are currently listening.
2: Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.
0: This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's MA in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu HDL.